wanted to say plant nuts <laughs> I, I like it love it uh i'm chris welcome to episode 10 of fancy plants podcast where we are all plant nuts here including sue hello and amanda hi ladies how was your week it was great um working a little bit a little bit more than i have been and so that's kind of kind of nice to feel a little bit normal even though part of me misses my hanging out at home alone <laughs> all day. With your plants. And I'm kind of sad summer's over because I really feel like we got the short stick this summer. And um, I feel like we got the short stick and and I'm sad. But at the same time, it's starting to get fall, starting to get pretty outside. And I'm getting excited about sweaters. Oh, I not me. You know, I used to be like that. I used to think the fall was the freaking bomb. And I don't know. Now I'm kind of all about summer because what I think what I know is that 10 feet of snow is coming and that minus 40 degrees Celsius weather is coming. And I just, it just coming, it feels like it's coming really fast. I love summer. I would live in summer all year round if I could, but I do enjoy a fall, especially if we have a gorgeous fall. So I'm hoping that we have really nice weather staying for fall, uh, for our autumn and we get the colors and I do, once the weather changes, I'm like, okay, I, I'm happy. You kind of have to just submit. Yeah, <laughs> you, I do. Submit, you really do. I submit and I look forward to boots and sweater. I do enjoy boots. I love boots. I do enjoy boots. I hate that one windy day that we have here every fall. Everything's so beautiful. All the trees are different colors. And then you had a windy day and it's like, oh, and there's no leaves. You say that like we only get one windy day. But in the fall, there's that one day that's blowing a gale and it's just like, and there they go. You know, that's a good point because other more uh, temperate climates or milder climates do tend to have actual seasons. And it sometimes it seems like the seasons can change overnight. Oh, that's absolutely. Part of the world. They can here. Like, it'll be the leaves are turning color. They're starting to float a few to the ground, but not many. And we have that one nice day. And it's gorgeous. And you're like, this is a beautiful fall day. And then like Amanda said, the windy day comes. But no, it's the windy time comes again. And it's just done in 24 hours. Yeah. Last year, winter arrived October 30th. It was, we actually moved into this house uh, at the end of September and it snowed the next day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like it was was just brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Often um, I had to get my kids ready for Halloween. And then change their costume because it snowed and we have to fit snow gear around their costume so that you can still see what they are. I kind of keep mental track of it. And I'd say 50% of the Halloweens have snow. The other 25% have gale force winds. And the other 25% (laughs) are actually tolerable. Yeah. And and with the, the gale winds, quite often we also get some cold rain, not quite frozen, but cold rain. It hurts your face. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, Halloween at our house. And what are you under that snowsuit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Canada. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh. Amanda, how was your week? What have you been up to? Well, my week's pretty freaking awesome because today's my 40th birthday. <gasps> Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. 40. 
Right? You be old. Yay! We're talking <laughs> about your favorite plants in a little bit, too. I know. Well, we're so glad you joined us for your birthday. Thank you. Well, you know, I spend it with people I like and <laughs> mostly who tolerate me. <laughs> well, we definitely do that. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I was dead silence for me. <laughs> no. So, I have to say, um, I turned 43 years ago, and I like being in my 40s a lot. Like, it is... Uh, it's just kind of relaxing in a way because you kind of stop caring about stuff uh, like the stuff you don't need to care about you know it's cute that you think i care about that stuff that's now, true you that's probably right. don't you probably don't that's <laughs> no true. but i think it, it's different when you turn 40 just like it was different when you turn 30 because i remember turning 30 many 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 moons ago <laughs> because i'm the senior of the group and i, I was like oh i don't want to be 30 and then i got to about 32 and i was like my 30s are awesome Yep. And the same thing happened with my 40s. I turned 44 years ago, four and a half. And I was like, oh, okay, 40s. You just get more and more comfortable in your own skin. It's fantastic. And you start, you know, enjoying those little things in life that maybe before you thought like you're too young to enjoy or something. But it's the all those little things just matter more. But at the same time, all those little things that you worried about before, you don't care about. See, like, it is true, though, that Amanda does already behave like she's about <laughs> 70. <laughs> it's uh, a good 90. day for me if I go grocery shopping and the cashier's like, uh, excuse me, you've got a spider in your hair. <laughs> like, it, let's call a spade a spade here. <laughs> I don't go grocery shopping after work because I'm covered in mud and usually I've got bugs on me. <laughs> I think that even though you're the youngest, you're kind of worlds ahead of us. Uh, yeah. In a I, good I, way. In a good yeah. Way. It's yeah. that 9.30 bedtime. If, if so. you want to hear Manda's old lady voice, go back to our first episode. It was a fantastic <laughs> old lady voice. I think she tells people to get off my lawn. I, I, I've done that, yeah. <laughs> I actually parked my truck out front of your house today, and then I got out to make sure that I wasn't too close to the lawn. And then I looked, because you, you live in a cul-de-sac. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I had to go check the back of my truck to make sure that I wasn't blocking the neighbor's driveway. And- I am totally like that. And so we, you noticed, I'm sure, when you pulled up that we ripped out half of our front lawn. Absolutely. And put in some curbing because people kept parking on my lawn. And I, uh, if there is a pet peeve of mine, it's when people don't respect other people's spaces. And maybe this makes me like an old grumpy lady. I don't know. But when you park a full front tire on my lawn, I just genuinely feel like, why? You don't notice this? Like, I I just actually don't understand. And not that you guys did that, of course. But so I had to put up like the old lady reflector stakes. And but it was just I was upset. So I ripped up half my lawn. If it makes you feel any better, when I lived in Edmonton, I was on a corner lot. And uh, so Lee Valley has these really cool. um sprinklers for scaring geese off of your lawn and uh they're motion activated mm-hmm. funny that uh so um yeah if you are uh, at all spiteful like myself uh, petty let's call it petty okay we'll go with petty yeah, sure let's, all let's right just take we'll it a level down uh, <laughs> you can get one of these fancy sprinklers and put it on your front lawn to spray people that walk across it i actually don't mind if people walk on it Oh, I, I, we used to get people that would cut the corner of oh, our lawn for that, yeah. and it would make me absolutely. So yeah, I, yeah, I got the goose sprinkler. I love it. Um, 
We, we're just gonna put some giant rocks down there and so that, people don't that was park in my 20s the... that i did that so okay, see, that you makes are, you feel like you better. are way ahead of us <laughs> yeah we had a neighbor that just moved in a new a new home for them and they walked their dog over to my house and then let it pee in my front flower bed i was i was very angry about it maybe irrationally angry about it i was just like welcome to the neighborhood we're not going to be friends it's not even that the dog comes over and pees. It's that a a person dis- deliberately yeah. walked their dog we and are, stopped at that spot to let them go pee. We are grumpy old ladies. I was a grumpy old yeah. lady, yes. <laughs> and we already have, we live on the inside of a turn. So we already have a giant rock at the end. Because in the winter, people will take that corner, go and mock chicken and slide. And they can't quite make the corner. So they kind of come up between our lawn and our neighbor's lawn. So that's why I have that beautiful giant rock in the front. Because people would slide and then almost hit our tree, and I didn't want them to hit their tree. So have fun hitting a rock. <laughs> Happy birthday, Amanda. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> also, <laughs> oh boy. Sorry, folks. You know, that's this is what happens, I guess. Yeah, we have like a warm up rant <laughs> for our last episode, and look at us go. We're look like, we're going to rant it on. Look at us go. <laughs> uh, we do have some plant friends with us today. They are all Hoyas in celebration of what we're going to be talking about in just a little bit. So we have a Hoya Memoria. It has flowered in the past, but it hasn't flowered recently. Amanda's petting it. And it's sorry, but it is growing. Um, It has a big old beautiful, shiny new leaf in the front. Yeah. It's nice. I actually see, this is what happens when you start watering your plants. They actually, it is. it's weird. eh? Yeah. It's imagine when I start fertilizing. <laughs> uh <laughs> we I have also we have here also a shepherdii. It's a single strand that is not going to survive. So I think it's a shepherdii, yeah. Definitely yeah. is. It's, so it's a sad one. Um yeah, I'm a little concerned it's that trying. I'm not advanced enough to grow that. It was a cutting. Um it's definitely not the cutting's fault. <laughs> <laughs> but we also have and I don't see these very often. Um, I actually ended up getting this next Hoya from a lady. I traded her for a plant that I had and it's a David's green cup and it is, uh, it's pretty big actually considering. Um, and I really love it a lot. I think it's really nice. I quite enjoy it. It has thicker leaves and they're kind of splashed and they're pretty big and kind of round. I really do enjoy it. Yeah. It, it just kind of one day like kaboom and then it just stopped growing as these things go. Those are our plant friends today. And they all also wish you a happy birthday, Amanda. Yay! Yay! <laughs> I heard them say it. And a reminder that we are running a giveaway right now. You still have a few days left to enter. Head on over to our Facebook and or Instagram pages to see how to enter that. And I'll uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the episode. So you have to listen. Haha, <laughs> no fast forwarding. <laughs> Please. <laughs> so, you know, we've talked a little bit about fall already and fall really does mean that we have to make some changes to the way that we treat our plants. So for us up here in Northern Alberta, um, sometimes that means bringing plants inside from outside. Sometimes it means changing how you care for your indoor plants. Sometimes it means just letting them die so you can replant something new next uh, spring. So how does your plant routine change in the fall? Amanda, start us off. Well, we all know that my yard is already a disaster. 
Uh, I'm like the mechanic that drives the broken down car. Uh, I am the plant person that has a jalopy for a yard. It's uh, it's terrifying. So uh, my yard for the fall, I uh, I look at it and I go inside. That's the extent of what I do. My one tomato plant that I didn't plant until June this year, I'll pull out next spring. Maybe, if I'm going to put something else in that pot. Um, inside, though, uh, it's time for me to start cutting back on fertilizer. I probably won't take any more cuttings. You know, probably repot some stuff. But I, it's, it's time just to hunker down with the babies and let them do their thing for the winter. So you generally just do your cuttings in the spring and summer? I find that they root faster and more aggressively in uh, with the, the longer days, the, the warmer house temperatures, all of that sort of stuff. Our houses tend to be a little cooler at night in the fall. And it's just they root faster and they make more, they're more aggressive if I do cuttings in the spring and the summer. So in the fall, generally, I tend not to cut stuff, mostly because I don't want to have to sit around and wait for it to root. Yeah, we like that gratification. Absolutely. <laughs> so what do you do for fall? Well, we do a lot of yard work. We usually, you know, start to trim things back, start to put our patio furniture and, and garden decor away, which kind of makes me sad. And so we do that, get the yard cleaned up because you never know when it's going to snow and it really sucks to have that stuff out and wrecked from the winter. I have a bunch of bulbs planted in my front lawn and more than once I've been out there trying to hack through frozen grass, trying to like get my bulbs planted because I put it off for too long. Yeah. So I don't have any room to put anything really anymore. I'm already trying to, I want to order a peony, but I don't know where I'm going to put it. So we have that. I have my garden boxes. Um, Things will still, you know, kind of doing the root vegetables are going to be kind of okay for, for a few weeks yet, a couple, two, three. So I'll leave those, but I'll start to get rid of the stuff. Start pull that out that I, that has done. Um, you know, pepper plants are usually done by now. So we'll have pull those out. And that's my outside. We'll mow the lawn, you know, really good. And then just hopefully have time to rake when all the leaves drop. So we try to keep it easy, try to keep it clean. Um, it happens often where... I say I'm going to do that, and then we don't quite get that done before it snows. So, and sometimes that's because the weather changed on us, and sometimes that's just because of my own laziness. But we try. We try, because then in the summer, in the spring, I'm cursing myself when I have to do all that cleanup. Future Sue will thank you if you do those things now. Yeah, I am fully aware that Future Sue would, (laughs) would appreciate that a lot. Inside, yeah, I start to not fertilize my plants. Um, I do find that fall I have to slow down on watering. But then in the winter, I find because our house is so dry and we have the heat on and things dry out so much more, I find that I have to water a little bit more. And then I have some, I have some plants that get a little more thirsty than they are throughout the, the rest of the year. But I do find fall, everything kind of just slows down. And I sometimes start to move plants that are too close to the window away just so that they don't, you know, when we have those minus 40 days and there's a little bit of humidity in the house because you just watered the day before and all of a sudden a plant leaf stuck to the window, kind of like licking metal. They don't like that, I don't think. No, no, no they, they happy. get grumpy about that. Yeah, my umbrella tree always had like that one stem that was like, oh, there's the window and stuck. And then I'm walking up to my house and I can see those yellow leaves that are angry because they got frost on them. So I usually try to pull, pull them back. 
And now I'm going to get smart and snake that stake snake <laughs> stake that guy back so that he can't can't reach the window because he kind of goes beside the window if he's ever allowed back in that room because he had a little bit of thrips. I am bound and determined to do some learning this fall. Uh, so I did order a peony, a uh, scrumptiliumptious or something like that. And it, I think it's going to be fabulous. That's a great name. I know. I it's it. so fun. I have zero experience with anything like that. I've never really done any landscaping. But now that we have done, you know, this curbing and ripped out half of our front lawn, one of the things, of course, I want to do is landscape this. Uh, so I just want some like low shrubs and and the peony and whatever else might go in there. But I noticed that lots of times different plants, they have a lot of different instructions. So plant at a certain time, cut it down or not, cover it up or not. Do you mulch this thing? I still want to, I actually did get some curbing in the back to build my cactus um, bed finally. So that's another thing that I have to make sure I understand how to take care of. And then we have some planting boxes that came with the house. So I'm hoping to clean those out because I, same thing, Sue, in the spring, I didn't do it last fall. And so when the spring came, I was like, well, I was all this stuff. And I was all grumpy about it because, you know, I don't like to touch things that are gross. <laughs> Put on my bee suit and my hazmat suit and away I go. <laughs> Want to come to work with me for a week? Uh, you know, maybe. There's mud. Oh, mud is fine. Okay. I just don't want like bugs on me. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> no, sugar, you can't come to work with me. Okay. <laughs> um, so doing a little bit more prep this year, I just kind of want to learn how to take care of these things because my intention is to have a beautiful front yard with all sorts of fun things up there. So we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, one of the things that I do in the fall is at least once, sometimes twice, is I will get the uh, spider mite mites. What are they called again? Spider mites. Oh, the uh, predatory mites. Yeah, oh. I will. Yeah. I will do that at least once to all of my plants. Just yeah, to be I typically safe. do that in the fall as well. Fall is prime spider yeah. mite season. As soon as you close up the windows, and that furnace comes on, the air gets dry, and spider mites explode. Yeah. So I've never had a spider mite problem. Knock on wood. Like real loud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I I do do that at least once, sometimes twice. Just, yeah, absolutely. So do safety. I. That's one thing I do every fall. And then same thing, uh, reducing the watering, um, things stop growing. Although sometimes there are some plants that will surprise you. So I'm mm -hmm. thinking the plants that are in my ensuite bathroom, it's nice and warm and humid in there. So I have some uh, positive thoughts <laughs> going toward those to see if they can keep being beautiful and healthy. Um, but other than that, it's going to be a lot of work, but once you're done, you're done. And once the snow hits, that's it for outside. My Hoya Retusa in the fall, as soon as it cools off, oh man, that thing blooms and it blooms all winter. It's great. That's amazing. Maybe this little guy will bloom for me soon. No, he's like tiny. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably got the boringest blooms out of any Hoya. It's got, it blooms single blooms, mm. but they smell like gardenias. Ooh. Oh, they're so good. That sounds amazing. There are some Hoya that are surprising in the winter, actually. That yeah. Oh, do, yeah. That do stuff in the winter. You're like, what? My big Kevin, he grows most in the winter. I think because we have the furnace and stuff on. The house is getting warm. We Maybe he likes my cooking because he lives in the kitchen. And I cook. I cook a lot more soups and stews and chilies and things like that. So maybe he likes that. Maybe that gives off a little 
food humidity to him. But he always seems to grow the most in from like December to March. That makes sense, though, because heat rises and he's up on top of your cupboards. Yep. And the humidity from cooking and that sort of stuff, it makes sense. Yeah. And then the tree that's like right outside the doors, the the window and doors that are right there, it loses all its leaves. So it, it gets more sun. <laughs> yeah. In, in there because it loses its leaves and then the sun can come through. And so I think that has a little bit to do with it. So it gets actual sun, not speckled. That's sun. exciting. Yeah. I think it, I think he likes it. And like I said, I think it is. He grows the most. I have a few Hoyas that grow quite a bit in the winter as well. You know, Hoya. Is it Hoya or Hoyas? Is it, are you talking about one or multiple? Yes. <laughs> that was a great answer. You are so sure. Yes. I, so, I just, I feel like Hoya. Is that not it's like, also the plural? Uh, I do believe Hoyas is the plural, oh, plural right. but I could be wrong. I I you think it's like Degros? Like, well, it's like, like lithops. Like whether you have one lithops or seven lithops, it's always lithops. But I think that's because it ends with an S. There's somebody oh, out there who's like a grammar like person that could probably correct us on this. Yeah. So. We want to know if Hoya is singular and plural. For this episode, we will refer to Hoyas in the, with an S as a plural. Speak for yourself. I think it's Hoya. Right? I think it's with an S. Oh, I, 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 I think it's without an S too. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe somebody out there in, uh, in our listener land, you plant nuts, maybe somebody knows. <laughs> we could Google it, but that's no fun. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That, takes, that takes the fun of debate these days. Well, <laughs> whether it's Hoya or Hoyas or hoya e or whatever the Spanish word is for Hoya, I don't know. Uh, that is our main topic today. And Amanda has done a lot of research, which is amazing because I sure didn't. <laughs> that's what I'm here so, for. I, I'm the science. <laughs> She's our legitimizer. Um, but you know what? We have... I talk to people about Hoya and Hoyas. Oh my gosh. I'm going to say Hoya. Uh, we, we could go for the, from the Vermont Hoyas website. You know, the boss he says S. <laughs> well, he is kind of an authority. Uh, I, I might have a bit of a, a, a fangirl crush on him. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally true. It's totally true. A lot of people asking about Hoyas because they're such an interesting plant. They're pretty hardy. Lots of you can, they're pretty easy to grow. Uh, most varieties are. And I actually had somebody speak with me just a few days ago and they said, you know what, I want to know more about these plants, but I don't even know where to start. And it is kind of overwhelming because there are so many. There's a huge number of them. There's hundreds. And they come from so many different places that you can't say it's a cactus. It comes from the desert, you know, which is not all cactuses do. Some of them are tropical. But um, we have cactuses not too far from us. Oh, exactly. That grow in the wild. Yeah. But um, these, we're talking plant, like Hoyas here, we're talking Australia, Thailand, China, all of these, lots of Asia Pacific countries, which are similar, but very different. And I think that's part of the confusion with a, a newcomer is kind of wondering like okay what are the different ones which ones are easier for me to grow what do I need to consider if I'm starting a collection and how can I kind of get the most out of this absolutely amazing plant 
Okay, so the thing to remember with Hoyas is that the majority of them are what are called epiphytes. And epiphytes are, uh, long story short, they are a plant that grows on something else. So they will grow on the side of a tree. They'll grow on the side of a rock. They're, they're not plants that typically will grow in the ground. So that's all Hoya? Not all Hoya. Okay. Okay. Uh, but a, a vast majority of them. Oh, if that's you're, really cool. If you're in doubt, assume it's an epiphyte. So um, I know a lot of people struggle with root rot in Hoyas. Um, epiphytes, you got to, if you look back to where a plant comes from, it'll tell you a lot about how to take care of it. So if it's a plant that naturally grows on the side of a tree in, let's say, a Thai rainforest, it's going to have super high humidity. It's going to get a lot of water. But because it's on the side of a tree, that water's going to drain away really fast. So an example might be an imbricata? Uh, imbricata, um, memoria mm-hmm. is uh, like, like our little guest here. Um, so the thing to remember is you want a fast draining soil, but you don't want them to go, you don't want to treat them like a succulent. You don't want them to go weeks without water. So as soon as you like when your soil's dry, water, but you don't want the soil to stay waterlogged. I just want to mention imbricata because it's such an interesting plant. I love imbricata. Uh, they're so cool. So, um, listeners out there, give that a Google, uh, Hoya imbricata. It. I know people call it an ant plant, but there's a lot of different plants that are called ant plants. Mm-hmm. Um, and ants do kind of live underneath the leaves. But this plant has these round, flat leaves and it grows right up a tree, for example. Yeah, they the shingle. Roots, yeah, the roots all dig into the bark. And it is just, they do need a lot of humidity. I have killed one. Although I did manage to ha- grow a leaf. Oh, that's exciting. Yes. So that was cool. But then it died. Uh, <laughs> but because it is more of a specialty plant. But that's just one example of one of these Hoya plants that are so fascinating and, and there's they they all have a lot of different kind of stories behind them, I feel like. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Sue, Sue might uh, agree or disagree with me here. I think the easiest ones to start with are ones with thicker leaves. Yes and no, because I think it's also easy to overwater and get root rot on the thicker leaves. I love the thicker leaves myself. Uh, I like them all. I shouldn't really categorize them because I like them all but I love the thicker leaves and I do think that they are a little bit easier because they are a little more abuse tolerant but the thing is is if they get root rot um, or you overwater it and it's you know water um, a little bit too much they will let you know really fast and they can go downhill really fast but I think they're nice and easy yeah Um, I think uh, publicilix uh, carnosa um I find the uh, the Hindu rope one is quite a bit fussier. It's a little bit more prone to root rot than you know, like a standard carnosa. And it's so slow. No. So no. mine are <laughs> mine slow. You can watch mine grow. It's oh, ridiculous. Yeah. I'm jealous. Then. My, my one rope that's really long. The other side, stuff's coming on the other side, but I have like one that's really long. I just cut it and trim it because it too had a little bit of something going on. I thought it was root rot. I don't know. It's just got... Right at the base, it kind of got some yellowy leaves that fell off, and now it seems to be fine. So no idea what it is. I find the stems of the Hoya plants really interesting as well, and I'm going to guess that that'll tell you a lot about how it should be cared for. Absolutely. So um, the ca- the um, there's one that I had it for a while, and Sue, you didn't like it because it has it has like the roots are like kind of growing everywhere out of the stem. 
Oh, the cat. Oh. So there's the C. Oh, man. We'll have to look that up for you. But anyway, it did. It had like a woody stem, a little bit of kind of a, a woody oh, stem. Oh, cine- I think cinnamomifolia is one of them. Yeah. And then there's like the cattle something silver. The caudata ones, I think, are like that too, are they? Uh, caudatas tend to have a lot of uh, aerial roots and a yes. lot of like yeah. the little... Uh, You'll notice on a lot of Hoya stems, especially on the climbers, there's um, kind of little nubbies all up the stems. And they use those in order to anchor themselves. And I, a lot of people are like, my Hoya's growing this long vine and there's no leaves on it and it's taking forever. Well, that plant is actually looking for something to climb. And it's way easier to climb and anchor yourself if you don't have the weight of leaves. I hate to say it, but I think that they're ugly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I like it when they're all alien and trying to reach for stuff. But. I've had ones hold hands. Like they've reached and then they found each other and then they're like hooked together. And I think it's the sweetest thing ever. <laughs> I don't mind the like the plain stems, like the green cup here, like the memoria. It's the ones that have a lot of long stringy roots hanging off of the stem that yeah. I don't love. I don't love that either. It kind of grosses me out. Um, I don't really like hairy plants, anything that reminds me of spring. The hair on spider's legs. I just don't love it. So they did kind of those one, those two were kind of grossed me out. I had the Casphilia. I have it, and it gets a little bit like that, but it's not so bad, and I can handle it. I don't know why. Um, there's there's actually some Hoyas that in order to climb, they don't have the the nubbies and that sort of stuff. What they do is they um, put sap out, a sticky sap, all mm-hmm. down their their vines. And use that to climb. They'll actually stick themselves to your wall if you're not careful. Uh, macrophilia does that quite often, uh-huh. and so does Rangsan. Gross. Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of gross. <laughs> it's all sticky and bubbly. You think that there's something wrong with your plant, but there's not. Well, and after they're done climbing, if certain ones are flowering, and some of them are super drippy. So the carii is a great example. I have a, a carii and. It has bloomed for me, and I did the uh, tie the plastic bag around the bloom strick because it is drippy, and that sap is not a joke. Like it will stain things, and it is hard to remove. Multiflora is really, really bad for dripping. And the thing with um, if you end up, especially if you have a very humid place where you're growing your plants, and they drip sap on other leaves, it's a really good recipe for sooty mold. Hmm. So you got to get that cleaned off. Hmm. I didn't know that part. That's kind of good to know. Good to know. I I love Hoya. And I think one of my favorite things is the fact that they bloom, even though they don't really bloom for me. But the blooms are so interesting. It's hard when you're picking out Hoya and you're buying and you're ordering not to get them just for the bloom. Because, I mean, I think you'll be highly disappointed if you get them solely on how the bloom looks. I actually find... um. The majority of my collection is uh, Hoyas that have a much smaller leaf. I like any of the small leaf ones. I know, Chris, you like the large leaf ones. So you've got a pretty good mix of everything. I do. Uh, I think you like the Finnesonii that have like the, the marbled turtled leaves. I love leaves that look like an alligator, a lizard, a turtle. Anything that reminds me of those kinds of things. I just love those leaves a lot. Yeah. So um, I find a lot of the smaller ones are much more prolific bloomers and much easier to bloom. I think right now in my office, I've got seven or eight different varieties blooming. And in my living room, I've got another three or four. 
there is something about the small leaf ones we're not friends like i cannot get along with small leaf hoya they can be a little bit fussier it it depends on the variety it really does yeah so hoyas are interesting when you're looking at what you would like to add to your collection there's lots to look at there's the leaves yep there's the stems how you know are they you need to shave them or what uh there's the blooms because there's a lot of different kinds of blooms like some blooms are that kind of shooting star shape some of them are just that really adorable button kind of star shape some of them are big and round some of them are really alien looking and they come in what i think is every different color from black to red to pink to green to purple like oh it's yeah just, it's fun the variance is amazing same with the smells like all the blooms have different smells amanda had one that smelled like grass, fresh cut grass. Yeah, I like that guy. Some of them smell gross. <laughs> yeah, some of them smell gross or, or they smell good the first day and then they're kind of stinky. But the, I, I like them. I just can't say no. I always tell myself that's it. I'm getting out of Hoya. What? And then I'm like, you know, someone dangles a Hoya over here or someone's like, do you want to order some Hoya? And I'm like, yep, I'm in. <laughs> you, you have to. I can't <laughs> say no. I can't say no to Hoya. I think a really great reference for people when they're trying to find information. Um, there was a absolutely prolific um, Hoya collector. His name was David Little. Um, he, I think that David's Green Cup is named after him. It absolutely is. Yes. Um, he He's uh, since passed away, but he's got some great publications. If you don't want something that is such a dry read that you're going to fall off your chair. Uh, the Vermont Hoya's website. Uh, he's got some amazing information on there and he's got lots of cultural information on there. He's got lots of David Little stuff. Mm. And videos. Absolutely. Yeah, I always, re I always reference him. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's a really great jumping off point. And uh, a lot of his cultural information as well will give you similar scenarios, which is nice. And, it, you know, it seems like there's a lot of new, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not species. Cultivars. Varieties. New cultivars. Cultivars. Yeah. It seems like there's a lot of new cultivars showing up uh, kind of all the time. If you're Absolutely. Really there's a lot of, there is, um, pardon the pun, there is like a Hoya cult. <laughs> there are botanists that are completely dedicated their entire careers, their lives to Hoya. I don't blame them because it's kind of a never ending journey to find out about these things. It's a rabbit hole that I love. Yeah, and it's kind of like the adult version of Pokemon. You Ooh. just got to collect them all. Got to get them all. Got to get them all. And you can trade them by doing cuttings. Yeah. Like if someone was to say you need to go out and walk and like just like that Pokemon game where everybody had to walk around and find all the Pokemon, if they could do that with Hoya and you could collect like little pieces of Hoya and, and grow them. I would be crazy plant ladies everywhere. I think we yeah. do do that. If you look online... There's groups dedicated to it. Absolutely. There's Reddit subreddits dedicated to it. There's probably other forms of social media that maybe we're not even aware of where you have plant people trading and learning. And it is, I think you're right. It is a subculture um, that there's a, an endless amount of information and discovery. Oh, absolutely. Like you've like, I personally have been collecting them since 98. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a rabbit hole and there's some serious collectors out there. 
It's competitive, too. (laughs) (laughs) And it kind of gets you. So one of the new ones that has come out come out recently is the uh, Hoya Sulawesiana. And I'm really hoping to get my hands on one of those because the leaves are really amazing. They're kind of very long and thin and black almost. So that's exciting. Yeah. So I'm really hoping and it looks like a new one. There's not much information about it. And I'm really hoping I can grow it. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll we'll get there. Um, is it, uh, how is the name on there? Is there a CV in front of it or an AFF or anything like that? Uh, not that I can see. No. Okay. So now that you asked that, I have to ask, what do those different things mean? <laughs> okay. So um, lots of times you'll see ones that are, um, num- uh, there's uh, a couple of letters and then there's four numbers behind them. Uh, that's a session numbers. And uh, certain collectors will have um, a, uh, a set of abbreviations to them. So you'll see ones that are AH, uh, like the one we had last episode. We had AH0074. So that is from the collection of Aloha Hoyas. Um, that's the collector, and that would have been number 74 in their collection. What does that mean? Uh, like, so, where, where is Aloha Hoyas? Uh, I, you know what? I didn't look into where they're from, but I'm going to assume Hawaii. So that means that they are at the forefront of Hoyaness? Okay, so us cool botany kids. Uh, yeah, because those are two words that go together. Um. There are people like, uh, if you have a look, um, SRQ Hoyas, for one. Um, I, the name of the gentleman that collects there, I think his name is John. It's, uh, it's kind of escaping me right now. But there are plants that he's collected in his very, very extensive collection. Now, when you start to get a huge collection, you need a way to document and reference those plants. So that's where your accession numbers come into. And actually, uh, museums will use them as well. It's, it's basically a collection number. And that's so you go numerically. Uh, plant accession numbers will have the year it was collected. Uh, and then the, the order in which it was collected. So are these collected in the wild? Uh, some are. Some are bred. It's uh, sometimes if somebody's got a personal collection of thousands of plants, it may just be the order that they got them in. When does a plant get a name then? That is um, a long process. So they are, uh, there's binomial nomenclature, which is um, a crazy dry rabbit hole that uh, I think is really cool. So therefore, it's probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So once a plant is found in the wild, then it's assessed, it's uh, taken into a herbarium, it's compared to other stuff, there's there's a paper written, this, that, and the other thing, and then eventually it gets a name. And then a lot of times later on down the road, somebody does some botany magic or science is the absolute ever-loving bejesus out of something. And they're like, you know what? This plant is not actually this one. It's already been described. 
So DS70. Mm. <laughs> um, what were some of the other names for DS70? Uh, like Birotane. Um, Is it Billobata? Billobata. And um, there's one more. Tan. tan- a lot of people get confused with the Tanzii. Oh, Tsangii. Oh, uh, that one there is actually just a horrific mislabel. Uh, but, uh, oh, yeah, Burton A. And now, I don't even remember what it is now. So the way it goes when you're naming plants is the way that they decided in the botany world to settle the score is if person A names a plant, they've described it, they've named it, and then... 10 years down the road, person B describes and names a plant. And then 10 years down the road from that, person C says, no, 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 no. Plant B is actually the same as plant A. Plant B will get renamed to the first one. It's always the oldest name that wins. I thought you were going to say plant C gets to, or guy C gets to name it. <laughs> no, no, it's... Uh, Can you imagine? They always default to the oldest name. That, and that makes sense, of yeah. course. So yeah, there's stuff. Plants get renamed all the time in well, the plant world. And it's interesting because there are a lot of Hoya that have names like Michelle. I have a Penny's Treat, for example. There's Svetlana is another one. So a lot of them, some of them have name names. Some of them have a name called Susie Cute. I now, killed one of those. Sorry. <laughs> the cool <laughs> thing about like Susie Q or Michelle or that sort of stuff, that's all stuff that somebody has made. So, so those are created in the greenhouse, like cross pollinated yeah, with, uh, with a cat whisker. Yeah, or as Chris likes to say, they took the flowers and smashed them together. Exactly. <laughs> so you were actually um, asking me about Hoya Michelle. And uh, so there's a gentleman in Idaho. His name is Mike Bernardo, and he makes Hoyas. Oh, that's an interesting. He makes Hoyas. Interesting <laughs> statement. That right? it is. It's, a, it's like you went in the kitchen and baked something. Yeah. Right? Whip something up. Uh, so um, he creates um, these uh, really neatly named uh, varieties of Hoyas, and they're, they're crossbred. He'll know the parentage and that sort of stuff. It's like Sue's Pothos that she was reading about. So I was actually on his uh, Facebook page the other night. And uh, in his info, his, his intention, because his plants are pretty expensive. And he doesn't release a whole bunch. The Michelle is expensive. Yeah. So his, his, uh, in his about info, he says, and this, I'm just reading from my ridiculously small print here. Uh, he goes, my intention is to improve the genetics of the genus of Hoya by selective crossing. I would like to create new cultivars that are not only beautiful, but also grow and bloom faster and easier. That's everybody's Hoya dream right there. I think. Yeah. Um, that's kind of that's cool. It, it, it's really cool. How come we don't really see a lot of Hoya in greenhouses and box stores you know there's some basics you know carnosa and, and there's a few out there but we don't really see a lot like you'd never see the david's cup i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that in the grand scheme of plant sales they are um relatively new to the retail market 
it's only been really in the last two years that this Hoya craze has started. And like, I went from my collection of really weird, obscure plants that like, and it wasn't uncommon to be online talking to your fellow plant nerd in Sweden. And you're like, hey, I'll mail you this clipping if you can mail me that one. And that's how a lot of the trade was for years and years and years. And now everybody's like, "Ooh, these are cool. And it's, I, the greenhouses, I don't think I've had a chance to catch up. Do you think they ever will? No. I hope not, because it's kind of fun. It is fun. Yeah. The hunt is fun. Yeah. I, I don't think they will. I don't think, like, yes, they're, I'm using my, my best quotey fingers right now. They're mainstream now. But there's so many varieties, and some of them aren't necessarily cost-effective to propagate into a saleable plant fast. Yeah. I think it's neat. Um, and there is some that have, like, I mean, there was like a cor- Cornosa pubicalyx um, kind of phase that you could find in different places. And then there was um, the Belboda or the DS70, or I think at the time it was DS70, was, was still a, a common name for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And, you, you know, you, some places you could find those. We found um, Macrophilia and uh, Retusa at a store. That was very exciting. That's what Sometimes you stumble across something. So Absolutely. it's fun to stumble across. But like, I mean, there's so many varieties they aren't in stores. And, and at one, like, one part of you is like, man, I wish they would just release some, another batch of something out into the stores, which they probably will. And then you're kind of almost sad when they do because, if, especially if it's one you already have, <laughs> you're kind of like, oh, I missed out on that one. But now you're like, all oh, these people have this as well. It's kind of fun to find them and get them and try. I personally like to have weird ones that maybe nobody else really has. I, I do enjoy that. Not going to lie. Yeah. I like to have some weird ones. Well, and the more mainstream they get, the you know, jumping back to our previous episode, our previous rant, uh, the flippers going in cleaning them out and reselling them like that takes away this is one way to avoid that disappointment i think by them not being available everywhere yeah yeah i um that's what i mean like it i mean in one part you're kind of sad but you're i think it's exciting to have to hunt and find i like the hunt it is fun so we talked a little bit about the easiest and easiest is maybe the wrong word, but entry level, let's say. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think like one of the hardest ones to grow is? Uh, Other than imbricata. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> uh, there's there's some fussy ones out there. Um, I have what I believe is like a fettuccine. That, that right? sounds yummy. Yeah, I know. It sounds like. Put some chicken on that. Yeah. This comes in a little creamy <laughs> sauce and some noodles. <laughs> Yum. Uh, I think that's how you say it. Is that how I say it, Amanda? I it is no, now. Anyway, it, it is, is now. Type, We're good. It's a type of one of those that I know um, a lot of people have not loved to grow because they they figured that it's a little little finicky. And I honestly, I don't know the type because someone gave it to me because they were like, I'm killing it. And it's doing fabulous. Fabulous. However, I'm doing it. And I didn't even research because I don't know what kind it is exactly. Good for I, you, man. I think there's... um. There's a Hoya that fits into everybody's watering style. Absolutely. Like uh, Pachyclata, for example, mm-hmm. it with those super thick succulent they leaves. They are expensive right now. I don't uh, know if you guys have seen this, but holy pets. Uh, I, see, I, really I got mine for two bucks. 
Yeah, some of them are like a hundred bucks. Like they're really expensive. So I the variegated one. The variegated was... ones tend to have thinner leaves, so I imagine they need more water. Mm-hmm. But like the standard green one has super thick leaves. Like a lot of times they're a quarter inch thick. Oh wow! And you want a you want a hoya you can treat like a cactus. That's your man right there. Yeah, I have one like a regular. Well, I think it's called like a heart leaf or maybe a green leaf. Anyway. I barely ever water it. I do enjoy it. I also have to say I barely get new leaves on it. They're so slow. Yeah. That one is actually, I think, because it of its super distaste for water, that's probably one of the harder ones to grow. It's finicky. Yeah. I think a really great one that does grow slowly, but when it does grow is really rewarding. And it's kind of, it's just nice is the Hoya Carii. With those beautiful heart-shaped leaves, um, I find they make a really nice gift. So a friend of mine moved away um, to another city, and I gave her a carry eye because I and the message was essentially like, "Hey, when you look at this, just remember like we love you, we miss you, and I just think they're they're so pretty, and yeah, the flowers are quite nice as well. That's an exceptional gift. That's awesome." Yeah. Just please don't buy the single leaf one that will never turn into a plant. Unless you like that, that's fine. But oh man. I think it's great. I just, yeah, don't buy it thinking it's going to grow into into a plant. If you have a single leaf, especially Valentine's Day, they pop out in a cute little pot. And they do they do make a great gift. But don't buy it thinking that you're going to grow into a plant. Because chances are, it's not going to grow into anything. Even when you have the whole plant, it barely grows anyway. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Yeah. So the reason why that one won't grow into anything, because a lot of times those are single leaf with no stem. In order to grow a Hoya plant, you need to have a bit of stem. So without the stem, you're not going to get anything. A lot of times those single leaf ones come from big greenhouses with professional growers. Chances are they're not going to accidentally cut off a piece of stem. It happens. I, I've had some pretty good accidents in the greenhouse where I'm like, oh, well. Um, but uh, usually they're not going to cut off a piece of stem. I think on your list you had a couple other Hoyas you might have wanted to chat about. Is there any other interesting tidbits you have there um, on your teeny, oh, man. tiny printed pieces of paper? So my Okay, so for those of you who don't know, my printer, um, is uh, it's got poltergeist. And uh, you should definitely get that checked out. (laughs) I know I should. So instead of printing, you know, on the pages eight and a half by 11, it's, I don't know, it printed five by six or something. It's ridiculous. And you're 40 now. So that eyesight. Well, I am holding it a little further away than I would normally. Oh, let's see here. I the sent optimistic, you a couple weird The ones. optimistic was one that I was kind of interested in. Yeah, I, I have optimistic one. is pretty cool. So it's actually an aerostema. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's optimistic is a cross between two plants, but when it really boils down to it, it's an aerostema. So there's some debate in the Hoya world as to whether or not they're true Hoyas. But oh. that's, that's uh, something botanists can mud rustle over and once they figure it out I'll be like oh this is what they are um so in the wild that type of hoya is generally found beside rivers in like shady moist environments with very good air movement they're native to Thailand okay 
So that is a plant that you're probably going to need really high humidity for. Um, if it does grow in oh, my yeah. office, it's in my office in an air conditioned dry office. But oh, it, that's it exciting! Grows. Yeah, nice. I, not well, but it's growing. Do you find it thirsty? I don't really notice. <laughs> <laughs> I water once a week, and that's, that's where yeah. I'm at. So uh, a bit of controversy. Um, I'll, I'll see if I can find the uh, exceptionally dry botanical reads for it. I I, I have the link somewhere, but uh, a super popular Hoya is the variegated Kentiana. Yes. It is pretty nice. It's beautiful. I'm going to make a really bold statement here Uh-oh. and say it doesn't exist. Whoa. Okay. Um, so in the Hoya trade, um, like uh, a lot of people, like Tsangi that we were mentioned earlier, is so often mislabeled that I would argue that very few people actually have the real Tsangi. Or Tsangi I, sorry. Um, because it's quite likely a Bertinet. Um, it is just so widely mislabeled that it is accepted as fact now that this is what this is. And it's actually looking like the variegated Kentiana is it exactly that. Is it, it's been so widely mislabeled as a Kentiana that it is just accepted as such. And it's actually a variegated Wyeti that uh, we're getting. I was wondering. Yeah. I'm so smart. Now, there's going to be people that argue with me on that, and that's totally cool. Um, that's like the Oblika Adesanya thing. Exactly. Too, right? yeah. It's fine. Okay. So I found a Hoya I was looking at that I kind of wanted to order, and I regret that I haven't. And maybe I will before this shipping season's over, although I highly doubt it because they're so busy. It is a Hoya. I'm going to try and pronounce it. Hoya Trigonal Obus. IML1731. So that is Hoya, T-R-I-G-O-N-O-L-O-B-U-S. So I asked Amanda about that. It has very interesting leaves. It kind of reminded me of bay leaves when I kind of scrolled through. And it, that's what made me stop and look because it was a very interesting, intriguing looking Hoya. And you know what? I spent some time looking into that Hoya because it, it is. It's absolutely beautiful. And I can honestly say I know nothing about it. It's, uh, it looks like it is either uh, newly collected or newly named. I couldn't actually even figure out what year it was first described in. And normally I can at least figure out that, um, mostly because I like dry reading. Uh, but uh, that one there, I cannot find a whole lot on it. Oh my goodness, plant nuts. <laughs> I stumped Amanda. You did it. I stumped Amanda. Yay! I kind of almost feel bad about it. <laughs> you realize you realize the challenge has been laid now, and it's going to be like midnight, and I should be in bed sleeping because it's past my nine thirty bedtime, and I'm going to be googling a plant. I know. I'm just so like every other night. Then it is yeah, very much. interesting, yeah. and this makes me regret not ordering it. It it does look like it's got a thin leaf, um. So it would likely be something that you'd have to watch for spider mites in the fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, any of the thin leaf ones, uh, especially if you um, are not necessarily consistent with your watering, uh, can be a little spider mite prone. Yeah, I uh, I still would give it a go. I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's it's really neat looking. Well, you should definitely order it if you can. 
because, of course, our shipping season is so short, we're really running out of time. Well, definitely if opportunity knocks, I am, I'm grabbing that. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Amanda, anything else we should know about Hoyas? Oh, there's so much to know. Um, we probably have, you know, five or ten minutes or so if there's anything else. Uh, well-drained soil. Soil is your, that's your biggest um, asset with Hoyas is use well-draining soil. Spend some time on the Vermont Hoyas website. Uh, there is a great list on there. Um, it's it's David Little's list, and they've got um, a temperature range. So plants that prefer to grow cool, plants that prefer to grow hot, some that are intermediate. And they've even got the temperature range for those. Now, we're lucky here because um, our houses, we generally tend to keep between... 17 and 24. Uh, Celsius? Celsius, absolutely. (laughs) 24 (laughs) is pretty darn warm. (laughs) But um, so there's a lot of plants that can grow in that. Um, Spend some time and do some research and uh, figure out what that particular, they're such a varied species that it's, it's worthwhile to spend some time figuring out what that particular plant wants. Never be afraid to try it anyways. The worst that happens is you have a little plant funeral and you just don't tell anybody how much you spent on it and you just goes out in the trash. It happens to all of us. Um, fertilize. They are thirsty, hungry plants. Fertilize. It doesn't have to be full strength. Just a little splash of something. If you really want your plants to grow big, fertilize. And I'm going to make a bold statement here. And I'm going to say the number one reason that people have plant like a carnosa that is 40 years old and it never blooms. It's not getting enough light. Oh, that's interesting because they can't they grow and grow and grow and grow. Absolutely. If your carnosa has beautiful, dark, emerald, rich, dark green leaves, it's not getting enough light to bloom. That's really interesting. I have a carnosa, uh, just a regular old carnosa in my office. It sits directly in my south-facing window. And I notice that the leaves are getting lighter and lighter and lighter. And some of them even have a little bit of red from sun stress. Yeah. And that thing is blooming like crazy. And at first I was worried. I thought, "Uh uh-oh, these leaves are lightening up. Is it is it in trouble? But it just keeps blooming. So I'm just going to leave it where it is. Yeah. And and there's going to be people that argue with me on that. And that's totally cool. You know, I'm sure there's somebody's, you know, that's got a, a beautiful dark green carnosa that blooms like crazy. But it's um, the more light you get them, the the more the chances are that you're going to get blooms on them. You, you have to watch, though, there's a balance between those sun-stressed red and yellow leaves but it more light. Well, even leaves in general on the on the on the hoyas, um, some of them are green, some of them are splashy, some of them are extra splashy, some of them are thin, some of them are thick. So there's just like absolutely every there's so single much. kind. When you have um, a hoya, let's say you have a, a pubicalyx super silver, does it get more silver the more light that it gets? Yeah, I think you've mentioned before that the silver is kind of almost 
a defense mechanism against the sun. Is that Absolutely. right? Absolutely. It's actually a layer of air in the leaves. Hmm. So, so for example, like this David's um, cup has little splashes on it that are kind of silvery. Is that just little specks of air bubbles under the leaves? Absolutely. Hmm. That's kind of neat. Yeah. I like it. I have uh, I have a couple plants that are are, are kind of splashy or silvery, and I have one of them is a pubicalyx, and it's a mystery. It's a friend of mine's mother in law's, um, she had a clipping, and then my girlfriend had a clipping, and it grows like a weed. Like they're like it grows like crazy, but it's no one's ever seen a bloom for who knows how many years. So it's my goal. I moved it to under a light now that I move things around in my plant room. I am going to try and get that thing to bloom. That's a great point. I've seen some Hoya ID Facebook groups. And the number one rule is, sure, maybe send me your, you know, a picture of your plant and its leaves. But you really can't tell until the bloom. And that's very true of a lot of them. A lot of the way a plant, they describe, like, they determine how it's named or what it is. A very important part of that is the bloom because they could have identical leaves but if the bloom is fundamentally different between two varieties number of petals all sorts of there's all sorts of factors they are not the same plant they could look identical outside of bloom but they are not the same plant well i'll tell you with this this one that i'm talking about it's new leaves under light are almost kind of black like a deep burgundy oh beautiful almost black so i'm very curious that'll be exciting yeah you know it's interesting there's some blogs out there uh some hoya blogs and i'm looking at a picture of the sula weissiana (laughs) oh excellent (laughs) yeah so uh, what these pictures have um and i've seen illustrations like this as well they will this kind of almost like a scientific showcase so they will showcase the leaf how long it is, like how the size of it. Mm-hmm. It will show all, the flower in every kind of orientation. You could look at it. They actually take apart the flower. Absolutely. So you can kind of see the inside. There's also a seed. So you can see what the seed looks like and then how the flowers actually hang off of the plant um, from a couple of different angles. It's really interesting because you can actually go and dig up this kind of more sciencey information and see how... Even though some of the, oh, Amanda's like, I've just warmed her heart. (laughs) And even though the plants look the same, you can see the differences here when you're looking at the sciencey stuff, I'm going to call it. Absolutely. Yeah, you just totally warmed my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Look at me go. Uh, And it's actually, it, it does get interesting because there are just so many. And I think that as the people who are really passionate about them to this, um, scientific level it's easy to kind of get caught up in that and be like oh well uh, you know why is it like that why is why is this flower like a cup instead of like a shooting star shape and why is the leaf this shape and why does it have ugly stuff coming off of the stem <laughs> <laughs> yeah i actually just ordered a book it's the uh the hoyas of borneo i think you've mentioned that book it's still not mm-hmm. here. It's still not here. I desperately okay. Now I ordered it because it's it's out of print for one. Oh, so I found a seller in Malaysia who I've ordered this book from. Now I, I fo- I'm following the tracking. There's actually a tracking number. 
but I'm pretty sure I'm going to get it in December. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even care. I am so excited. And it's all those botanical drawings and technical descriptions and all of that. Yeah. Well, you're going to bring it in. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's like, it's going to, it's my plant porn, but uh, (laughs) I, I'm sure I will find it way more interesting than it probably is, but I'll I'll bring it in. That sounds amazing. We will absolutely look forward to reading that book. We probably won't be allowed to borrow it, Mm -mm. but (laughs) I'm, Barely sure we'll be allowed to look at it. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't think she'll let us touch it. <laughs> yeah, here, stand back there, and I'm going to hold this up for you. You're allowed yeah. to touch it. You're just not allowed to break the spine. Dog ear a page. Make a mark at it. I do have gloves. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So we can we can do that. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that probably brings us to the end of our the Hoya episode. Even though like we know lots about Hoya, I feel like I learned quite a few things today that are interesting. Absolutely. I, I think I think everybody, I think Hoya is, that's the cool thing about them, is there's always something to learn. There's so many and and where they come from and everything. It's just nobody knows, there's not one person who knows everything about Hoya. Oh, absolutely. And really, realistically, we just scratched the surface. Imagine if you got to take a trip somewhere and you know enough to be um, knowledgeable and you're walking through the jungle and you and you actually or you're hunting, you're like a scientist and you're doing the hunt for a new species and you discover a new one. Oh, that's my dream right, right there. Oh, how amazing is that? That'd really? Be super I'm cool. thinking I just want to learn how to make a Hoya. If I Cat whiskers. If I wasn't Cat such a homebody, smashing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you weren't such a homebody, if I wasn't such a homebody, yeah. I like the the idea of like being a botanist out in the field, like trekking the jungle. Oh, that's like secret desire right there, girl. I'll trek the jungle with you anytime. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it is my birthday. It is your birthday. <laughs> unfortunately, right. we can't go anywhere. So the jungle you're gonna trek will be just around here somewhere. Go to Sue's plant room. Go to to my plant room. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, Well, fellow listeners, fellow plant nuts, I just really like saying that. Uh, I hope you learned as much as we did today. And this maybe will springboard you into also becoming a Hoya collector. There are so many different ones and there's lots of great places to start. So if you do end up stumbling across something or you are starting to grow your collection, why not let us know? You can reach us online, which I'm going to give you that detail, those details in a second. But first, we want to remind you that we do still have our giveaway going. We have chosen some cuttings from each of our own personal collections, and we have we have committed to making those cuttings very exciting. But we are still keeping them a mystery because why not? And so take a look at our social media for that. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash fancy plants podcast. You can see us on Instagram at fancy plants podcast. You can email us at social at fancy Next episode is a mystery episode. So you have to wait and see what we will be talking about next. We want to say thank you so much for listening. And we will see you next week when we're talking plants. Bye. Bye. Come on, sugar mama. Get your green on. Put a culture in your home. Fancy plants.
love a green color. Mm-hmm. The fancy plants. Oh, yeah. 